Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show, sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, hello and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey, president of Wilsey Asset Management. Uh, great to have you here this morning. Uh, Chase is on vacation uh, today, so it'll just be me filling in. Not filling in. I'm here all the time. But uh, me by myself, I guess is the way to say it. So uh, we do have a lot of time for calls this morning. Uh, we will go over some very important things. Uh, I'll give you the phone numbers now so you have them. 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. 0973 and I'll probably take calls about oh probably 10 15 minutes got some very important things going over that happened this past week uh, the most important thing that we want to talk about was the jobs report uh, Friday's job report was a good surprise showing non-farm payrolls increased by 528,000 jobs this caused the unemployment rate to fall to 3.5 percent we have now recovered all the jobs lost during the pandemic Returned to levels not seen since February of 2020. Average hourly earnings were up 5.2% over last year, but it appears that wage growth could be, well, just could be slowing down a little bit here. Uh, in a separate survey from Greenhouse, a recruitment software company said that 70% of workers are optimistic about the job market. However, 66% of people surveyed said if their wages were cut, they would look for a new job. Now, there are, and I'll talk more about the uh, Joel's report, but there are about, uh, uh, there are still about 5.9 million people in the labor force who want a job. And again, based on the latest Joel's report, there is still nearly two jobs for each person looking for a job. I'll cover more of that in a minute here. But uh, the biggest gains of jobs were found in the leisure and hospitality industry. 96,000 jobs were recovered. Uh, now, I, I want to bring out, people say, oh, those are low-paying jobs. These are not low-paying jobs any longer. The nationwide average is $20.22 per hour, and that's 26% higher than four years ago. And, and you gotta remember this too. This is a national average. We're here in California. Uh, wages will be higher in California than for instance, a place like Arkansas and Alabama. So a national average, don't say, well, in California, $20.22 doesn't go very far. Well, no, it doesn't, but you're not getting that in, in California. You're probably, well, I know servers getting as much as 25 to $35 an hour and those are the leisure and hospitality jobs. Uh, job growth was also seen in professional and business services, up 89,000 jobs. And again, these are not low paying jobs in, in these areas here. Healthcare was up 70,000. Government jobs did climb by 57,000 jobs. And I did notice that there's still 600,000 uh, less jobs for the government than there was back in February of 2020. So the nice thing is that the government is not spending more money. I'm not sure why those jobs have not come back as quickly to the government as a private sector. A lot of these jobs have come from the private sector, but I gotta say that that is a very good thing. And then uh, lastly, construction jobs, they did increase by 32,000. Now all this was good news, but the good news did scare the markets and push the 10 year treasury back up to 2.84% 
with concerns of sharply higher and longer rate increases. I've been in the investment world for over 40 years now. I have seen this happen before different times where because of good economic news, because of a good jobs report, oh my gosh, the markets go down because that means they'll have to increase interest rates. Short term, that's a problem. But you do want better uh, jobs because people, when they have a job, they'll spend more money than when they're on unemployment. So short term, yes, causing what, what I would say could be some buying opportunities. We will see what happens. We watch very closely the job market every month that comes out. Uh, we also watch other things from employers. Uh, I will say employers have, yeah, I'll, I'll put some concerns on hiring new people, but the demand is there. Their businesses are doing very well. Um, I said I would talk about the JOLTS report because that is a job opening labor turnover survey. Now, uh, the report came out uh, this uh, just past week, I believe it came out on Wednesday, and while the headline numbers may look concerning, it's important to point out the levels. We have been seeing the, the, here were extremely elevatable and they were just not sustainable. Total job openings of 10.7 million jobs at the end of June missed the estimate of 11.14 million. Now, this was a decline of 605,000 or 5.4% compared to the month of May and was well off the recent all-time high of March of 11.86 million open jobs for people to acquire. Uh, the level of job openings is well above the level of available workers as the difference is still 4.8 million. This was talking about before the people looking for the jobs. This means uh, there were still 1.8 open jobs for or per available worker. So if you want a part-time job, eh, maybe you can get one. Um, also to uh, give you an idea of where we were at pre-pandemic, because this is very important. We have to remember we're at such levels in 20, end of 2020, 2021, because of all the, the money that came into the market. So many times when we're looking for a baseline to compare to, we'll go back to 2019, because that was a normal economy. There's no big money coming in from the government, uh, nothing strange going on. Well, we're going back to December 2019, total job opening stood at 6.7 million. Uh, this was an elevated level historically and also during a healthy job market. Overall, the job market still remains, remains very strong. So keep in mind, again, 2019, 6.7 million jobs. Oh my gosh, concerned that the uh, JOLTS report fell from job openings to 10.7 million for 11.1 was the estimate, but we're still well, very well above the 2019 level in December of 6.7 million. So a lot of job, jobs out there, that's a big positive. And again, don't feel that, oh my gosh, but these are a lot of low paying jobs. Uh, that, that has changed in the industry. And also too, I did see this past week that uh, Uber, and also Lyft reported, a lot of people are going back to driving the, the, the Uber cars. Uh, Lyft is, is seeing more people coming on. So that was a, another part of what they call the gig economy to where people could make more money. So I'm happy to see people out there working, earning money. The nice thing is they can do that. Many times, is, again, we're in a recession based on the math here, but many times during a recession, the jobs aren't there. You have no alternative to get any money. Well, now you can have not only one job, but a part-time job as well to you know make extra money there. 
Let's talk about the U.S. dollar because we have been talking about the strong dollar that we are currently enjoying along with some of the benefits and unfortunately some of the negatives. Yeah, there's negatives to a strong dollar. Uh, another example is recently the U.S. dollar could uh, buy uh, 80 Indian rupees, uh, a high that's never been seen in history. Using the most recent trade report from 2019, uh, keep in mind 2020 was during COVID and we don't use that data. We always go back to 2019. That shows the U.S. exported to India $59 billion, but our imports were $87 billion. Our strong dollar means we will be paying less for imports from India. Hopefully, we will see a decline in what we export to them. Should that be a decline? I think that's supposed to be an increase. No, we want to have a, oh, hopefully we'll not see a decline. That's what I was thinking about, not seeing a decline. So yeah, we want to increase our exports with a strong dollar that does make it harder because it makes our products more expensive and it makes uh, imports less expensive. So consumers will tend to go that direction. I did see a recent thing on the trade report. I just read it. I did not, not uh, take any notes on it. Uh, but that it looked like the trade uh, report looked a little bit better that the uh, imports were actually down. So that was a positive there. Um, and again, with a strong dollar, positive can help with inflation. And uh, we got some other great things coming out next week about inflation that you want to be sure to catch that newsletter. Uh, Jason, I'll talk more next week on those. Uh, but before I take your calls and get the phone numbers here, are 833 288 0973. That's 833 288 And that, as always, will get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, final opinion about what you want to talk about. And I've got to talk about the credit card increases because I was coming out saying, oh my gosh, see how bad the recession is. People have to put all this money on, on their credit cards. Well, let's talk about this a little bit. Credit card balances did increase $46 billion in the second quarter, bringing total credit card debt to $890 billion. Now, inflation became the immediate concern, but maybe it's not the entire reason. Uh, remember how how uh, remember how traveling has exploded in the second quarter uh, with airlines and hotels seeing the business boom? Well, let me ask you, when was the last time you were at the airport and saw someone pay cash? You don't do that. Yeah, you, you use your credit cards. And many times you do this online. Use your credit cards to book your airline, to book your hotels. That's a normal thing. If you're seeing tourism up, of course you're going to see more going on the uh, on the uh, credit card. Uh, the 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 uh, the, the uh, Jolts report uh, did come out yesterday, uh, not yesterday, but uh, this past week, and was strong at 10.6 million job openings. Now again, I said that already, but when people have a job, this is very important. When people have a job they feel confident they won't be losing it anytime soon and feel more comfortable running up some debt on credit cards. Two other facts that I, I wanna point out as well, in the final quarter of 2019, again, remember 2019, that baseline compared to, credit card debt did hit 930 billion, roughly 40 billion above where we are now. Also, consumers do have $2 trillion more in savings today than back in 2019. So. Again, I know I'm in the media, I'm part of the media, but the general mainstream media will try to bring out things to scare you and try to scare you in a recession. Remember those numbers. They said, oh, you know, credit card debt, now $890 billion. It was $40 billion more back in 2019 at $930 billion. So this is a normal thing. I was also on a radio show uh, in, in LA this past week, 
And we also talked about some other things too, and I was mentioning also that I get constantly credit card offers uh, to, to sign up for their credit cards. Well, it's not just me. I'd, you think about yourself, are you getting these offers as well? And then there's some people that are moving credit cards from one to the other to get a better deal. Maybe they had a rewards before that was just points, now they want the dollars, which we always recommend to get the cash rewards as they're called. So these are things that can be happening as well, a shift there. And again, this is not what I would call a warning sign. Now, things can change. We're always on top of things, looking at what's going on, You know what, what can happen here. Uh, and if things do change, we will report it. But right now, I am not at all concerned about the credit card uh, situation uh, coming up uh, that, that you're hearing people talk about in the media, like, oh, how, how bad it is and so forth. All right, a uh, couple of things I wanna mention before I go to uh, Joe and Carl. Uh, I do wanna mention the Main Street America's People Char- Choice Charity Car Show. That's gonna be next Saturday, August 13th uh, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's at the Embarcadero Marina Park North. Now that's right near Seaport Village. This is the Corvette Owners Club of San Diego will be hosting the 25th Main Street America People's Choice Charity Car Show. Uh, vehicles registered for the show include a 1914 model, a Ford Model T, six Packards, ranging from 1934 to 1939. You got T-Birds down there, street rods, exotics, uh, Corvettes, of course. Uh, and the participants and spectators will determine the winner in each of the 24 classes. And yes, I will be there. I'm gonna bring down my Lamborghini Aventador so that uh, hopefully I can talk to people and see people that listen and so forth. So looking at that. Uh, by the way, there'll also be music, a huge raffle, a photo booth and other entertainment. Very important, all net proceeds from donations, registra- registration fees, raffles and other activities will benefit the San Diego Center for the Blind a $1 donation will be requested of all spectators. $1, not very much, uh, maybe give two or three. Uh, the, group, uh, the group hosting uh, Main Street America is the Corvette Owners Club of San Diego. Uh, they were formed, I was, I, I was surprised in this, formed back in 1958. It is one of the oldest continuously active Corvette clubs in the world and also one of the largest with over 200 members. So that's the Main Street America's People Choice Charity Car Show, boy, that's a mouthful. Uh, Saturday, August 13th, 10 to three, I'll be there. I hope to see you there. And then lastly, before I go to the calls here, I do wanna mention uh, Chase is a golf tournament for his uh, foundation. It's the second annual Fighters Fight Foundation Golf Tournament. Unlimited tacos, beer, seltzers, it's all be at the RBM. All proceeds go to the charity the Fighters Fight Foundation. The charity is a small hometown charity built by Chase that creates impacts that you can actually feel. It's not goes off to some donation thing you never hear anything about. It's actually here locally in San Diego. This came after Chase lost his aunt to breast cancer. He realized how important those memories with his aunt were and wanted to provide experiences for other women battling breast cancers that they could enjoy with friends and family. So if you wanna find out more about that, go to the, to the website, fightersfightfoundation.com. Again, that's fightersfightfoundation.com. I believe they still have a few foursomes left open for that. Uh, you can see that at the website. Uh, I know I went to that last year. I'll be at the car show this year. Chase will be at the uh, Fighters Fight Foundation uh, golf uh, tournament there. But uh, check it out. Go to the website, fightersfightfoundation.com. Already, phone numbers here, 833-288-0973. Again, that's eight, uh, 
800-529-0973. Let's go up to Oceanside and speak with Joe. Joe, you're in the Smart Vest Show with uh, Brent and Chase, but Chase is not here. How are you doing this morning? Uh, great morning, Brett. Um, I hope Chase uh, listens to the show at some point in time. Um, um, you know, you mentioned that car show of, you know, Ford and, of course, Miss Barr's Chevy's. Um, you know, Ford, you know, not only gave a dividend, they they raised it by 50%. So, so come on, Miss Barr, let's, let's do <laughs> oh, something here. Actually, no, there will be Fords there. I, I think I did see Mustangs and stuff. No, there I know well. you did say Ford. I said Ford and GM, Miss Barr's GM. Yeah, I oh, did yeah. miss it. <laughs> Ford. Yeah. Um, but, anyways, uh, yeah, I just want to throw that in there because we keep talking about those cars. But, um, yeah, LLY is the stock I wanted to um, talk about today. Okay. And, and and do you hold that or look at buying that one? You know, I pick some up. I pick some up. Okay. Well, let's take a look at that because I always like looking at the drug industry. I think it's a place where it could be some good value there. So let's take a look at uh, Eli Lilly, symbol of LLY. They're a drug manufacturer. Not much on the short side, only 0.7%. That's very low. Institutional ownership is 84%. Uh, we do see a PE ratio, unfortunately high, 48.1 versus 19.4. Price of sales, 9.4 versus 3.8. That's very high. Price to book value, 33.6 versus 4.8. And price of cash flow is 38.5 versus 14. So all the valuation ratios are very high. I do see a good peg ratio, though, of 3.7 versus 7.7. And that's your price uh, earnings to buy by growth. So it shows you're not paying much for the growth going forward. But in the past, you certainly are. We do see that earnings uh, over the past year were up 1.2%. Not as good as the industry at 17.5. Sales were up 97 also not as good as the industry at 14.3. So I'm kind of scratching my head. Why are the valuation ratios so high when the earnings and the sales did not do that much? We do see they pay a dividend, not very large as well, 1.3. The industry is about double that at 2.9. And Eli Lilly uses about 52% of the earnings to pay that dividend out. So I think that's pretty safe. Look at the balance sheet here. we got a current ratio of 1.3 versus 1.5. That's okay. Debt to equity, 1.8 versus 2.8. In my opinion, both of those are high. We don't like to have a debt to equity much above a 1.3, but there can be other things that'll make that difference on the surface. I feel a little comfortable with that. We do see a net profit margin of 20.9. That does beat the industry at 19.3. Return equity, very high, 65.7 versus 29.1. So that means either your equity is very low or your return is very high, but you really understand why is that return equity is 65. We like companies that are over 15, but you get to 65, there's something on those numbers you want to kind of check into. Now, we do see the uh, stock did close at $301.32 on Friday. The 52-week high is $335.33. The low is $220. So approaching that uh, high there, not very close to the low, let me see what the analysts say about the company here. We do see going out to December 2023, uh, estimates of $9.28. Now, I don't have my calculator in front of me. This is usually Chase's job, so I've got to do this in my head. We use a number of 16.6. I'm not that good to do that in my head. I generally use about 15 to get us in the ballpark. Uh, 15 times uh, 1929 would be about 135, 145. Uh, yeah, probably around 160. As I said, the stock's at uh, 300. Uh, very overpriced, I believe. And there are 11 analysts here. The low estimates, $8.57, the high, $10.30. Uh, that 9.28 is up from about $8.99. Uh, 
uh, 90 days ago. I, I, I just don't feel comfortable with that high of a multiple. I would say your Ford PE is probably trading somewhere around probably a 22, 23. Uh, Joe, that's just too expensive for me. I know you did say you bought a little bit of it. Uh, my recommendation, I wouldn't buy much more of it or I wouldn't buy any more of it uh, at these levels here. Yeah, no, I wasn't planning. I, I, I plan on trading it, you know, but uh, I just wanted to hear about it. it didn't sound very good, but, um, you know, thanks for the analysis, though. All right. Well, Joe, thanks for calling, and uh, you're going to be at the car show uh, uh, next week? You know, I'm not sure. If I have five times, I might check, check it out. Okay, yeah. Come on down. Or, what's that? Down there in San Diego at Embarcadero. Embarcadero, yeah, right by Seaport Village there, yeah. So we'll, we'll maybe see you there, maybe go to Chase's Golf Tournament. Uh, either one, we, we hope to see you out there somewhere. All right, Joe? All right, good talk to you. All right, take care, and bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's go back up to Oceanside and speak with Carl. Carl, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can I help you? Yes. Uh, I looked at big charts, and uh, I do not see any earnings per share on Chewy Bed Food. Okay, and that's that. I think they've been out fairly new, so I'm going to take a look at that for you. Uh, are you thinking about buying it, Carl, after the chart? You see something yes, in that chart? Yes, uh, I looked at the chart, and it is on the uptrend. Okay, okay. And and sometimes, you know, this could be a growth company. They may not have any earnings. Uh, for us, that is always very important. But sometimes if you want a growth company, be careful with them because I, they're very volatile. Uh, we may say, no, we don't like it, but it doesn't mean the stock won't go up. So let's look at some numbers here for you. The company, again, is Chewy. Uh, the symbol is C-H-W-Y. They're in the internet retail industry. Oh, here's a bad sign, Carl. I don't see this one too often. The percentage short on this is 34.6%. Now, that means there's a lot of people believe this stock is going to go down. Now, one thing this could actually hurt them by is that the stock starts to you know, recover or keeps going up. The shorts will have to cover buying more of the stock, pushing it higher. But we do see that the uh, short of 34.6%, that tells me a lot of uh, investors are thinking this stock is going to fall. So be aware of that. It does also cause a strange situation on the institutional ownership of 100.5% because that short situation. You are correct, though. They have no earnings. The P.E. ratio not material versus the industry at well over 100. So then you want to look at the other things as well. Price of sales, 2.0 versus 2.3. But but gosh, your price of tangible book value, that's also over 100 versus 75. Your price to cash flow, also over 100 for Chewy versus 33.8. So the valuations of this company are just terrible. Uh, and also, too, over the last year, they have no growth on earnings. Uh, they have no earnings. Uh, the sales were up 13.2%, not bad, but the industry is up 31.3%. So all these high valuations you're paying, you're not even get as good as the industry. They do have a five-year estimated growth rate of 211%. So that's probably where a lot of the excitement is, like, oh, this company's going to grow like crazy. Uh, that is well above the industry at 25.2, but 211 just sounds like too, too high to me. They do not pay a dividend. Let's take a look at the balance sheet for Chewy here. Uh, not after a great start, we got a current ratio of 0.8 versus 1.4. Now, normally, I'd be okay with that. It's not too bad. But when I look at the debt to equity at 7.1 versus 
versus 1.1. Well, that's not very good. There's a lot of debt. You would have to really go to the balance sheet, get a clearer picture of that, but uh, those numbers are not good. Uh, net profit margin, not too bad. Uh, they lose 1% for every dollar they bring in. Uh, you don't want to lose money with a company, but currently losing 1% for every dollar they bring in. Energy is at 1.9%. Return on equity is a negative 160.5%. Let's check out the prices here. We do see on Friday, they, they did close at $44.44. The high is $97.74. The low, $22.22. So they're above their low, but they can see that low again based on what we're seeing from the shorts here. And sometimes shorts can actually drive a stock down as well. But let, let's see going forward. I know you said that they don't have any earnings. Uh, let's go out to January 2024. It is even showing then that they'll still lose nine cents, and that's based on the mean of 21 analysts. They do say that the worst analyst gives uh, a negative 40 cents, the best one a positive 41 cents. And, and gosh, you put up target sell price of uh, you know 16.6 on 41 cents. You're only going to get what seven, eight dollars a share, well below the 44 it is now. Uh, those uh, numbers have gotten better. They expected to lose nine, or I'm sorry, 17 cents 90 days ago for January 24. As said, now it's a, a loss of nine percent, or I'm sorry, nine cents. So I, I don't like this company. So definitely a growth company does not mean the stock won't go up. But I think the risk is very high. This is one that I would not want to be in, investing into. Uh, and I'm not sure what your investment style is, Carl but we're value investors. We like to buy safe companies with earnings and good debt so that if we do have a major recession, which I don't think we will, but if we do, we've got companies that can weather the storm. So I, I would not be investing in Chewy at this point in time. Okay, thank you. You're welcome, Carl. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. All right, that does open up the phone line, 833-288-0973. That's 833-288. 2880973 uh, I read this past week and 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 by the way I forgot to mention too that uh, on the the topics that we did that we do the show here we usually do three or four topics um, these are part of our newsletter and if you want to get those topics plus other ones that we have in, in this past uh, Friday newsletter you will see things like asset under management this is very important because it talks about what they're doing as far as investing, where do they stand as far as cash goes and so forth. Uh, we also talked about the secondary market. Around six to 12 months ago, uh, we did a post about the crazy secondary sneaker market. Well, we're talking about secondary markets of things you can buy in. We also mentioned the recession. 42% of Americans say they are not impacted financially from the recession, but have become curious or cautious with their spending. And then we also talked about inflation. That's a free newsletter. If you wanna get more information on that, or the topics that I mentioned earlier, uh, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. Again, that's smartinvesting2000.com. Right there, you'll see, you go to the website, uh, you'll see uh, uh, the, the, the newsletter, right, like right in the middle of the page, just says newsletter, just click on that, you can sign up right there. And uh, if you like what we said this morning, uh, you'll get more detail on that, more clarity, plus other topics as well. And it goes out every Friday with different topics that are timely for the time frame. Alrighty, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Uh, let's go out to San Diego and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, Brent. Hey, I'm looking for an assessment on uh, Celsius Holdings. It's a C-E-L-H. I, uh, I 
bought some of them back in uh, 2020. It's just, just under $50 a share. And they just recently were uh, not fully acquired, but the, they they, uh, they sold a bunch to PepsiCo. So uh, I was wondering if that's a good long-term or if that's one they should get out of now. You said uh, CLH? Uh, when I... C-E-L-H. Oh, C-E-L-H. Okay, C-E-L-H. That'll make a difference there. There we go, Celsius yep. Holdings. Okay, that's what you're talking about. And you said you hold that? Are you looking at buying it? Do you saw something on it? What's the story there, John? Uh, I, I, I've, got a, I've got a couple hundred uh, shares that, I'm, that I purchased uh, sometime in 2020 for just under $50 a share. Okay, and, and this is when I really miss Chase because I'm kind of curious what they do. I see it in the industry of beverages, non-alcoholic. Uh, do you know what they're they're they're, yeah, they're they're kind of a competitor of uh, like monster drinks kind of a thing, but oh, okay. more of a natural twist. Okay, all right, uh, okay. So again, the company is Celsius Holdings. Uh, their symbol is C E L H. Now, not a great start here because I do see on the short uh, about eleven point nine percent of the shares are short, which is above the norm. I'll put it that way. It's not bad, but it's above the norm. Uh, institutional ownership is fifty two point six percent. Uh, starting up the valuation ratios here, not a great start with the PE ratio. It's over 100 versus 29 for the industry. Price of sales, 19.3 versus 3.6. That's expensive. Price to book value, 32.6 versus 6.8. That is high. And unfortunately, no price to cash flow versus 21.2. I do see they report earnings uh, coming up next week. Looks like August 9th. Uh, they report earnings. Uh, we do see that the earnings per share over the last year are actually down 7.1%. Industry was up 16.6, so that's a, not a good sign. Sales up 111.9% versus 13.4. That's a great sign on their sales growth. They're really growing it quite well. And the uh, earning per share estimate uh, by the analysts over the next five years is pretty strong as well with growth expected of 59.4 versus 7.5. Uh, company does not pay a dividend. Take a look at the balance sheet here. We do see a current ratio of 2.7 versus 1.3. That's a big positive. No debt on the balance sheet. It's zero versus 1.4 for the industry. So that's a big positive. They don't have to worry about creditors coming in and clo closing the company down because they can't pay their debt. Uh, net profit margin, 2.5. The industry is 12.4. So uh, that's a little bit on the low side. Return on equity also on the low side, 4.4 versus 39.6. Let's take a look at the, uh, the prices here. We do see on Friday they closed at $98.62, the high $110.22, the low for the year. This is a 52-week low, $38.31. Uh, that always kind of tells me, gosh, we may have missed the boat on this one here. But uh, let, let's take a look at the, uh, the uh, analysts going forward on the, the earnings. Going out to December 2023, we do see uh, analyst estimate based on seven analysts of 99 cents. Now, if I put a multiple of 16.6 on that, I can kind of do that one because it's a very easy number. I'll choose a dollar. That would be $16.60, uh, well below where the stock trades at now. And the analysts are kind of all over the board. Those seven analysts, the low is 55 cents, the high is 162. So I always like to see those a little bit tighter. Um, I do see that that 99 cents has increased from 90 day, days ago when it was 80 cents. But I, uh, I just think it's too expensive. I don't, I don't look to my expensive companies. As I said, the stock was what, $98 a share, the low 38. You could very easily see this fall from 98 back down to you know, 50, 60, profit taking, whatever it may be, and you'd have a big loss there. So it's just uh, too risky for me, I'll put it that way, John. Okay, I'll, probably, I'll go ahead and dump it. It was a, 
because they just had a big bump because they uh, they sold a bunch of a uh, bunch of shares of Pepsi. So okay, and did you, did you are you up on it now? Or you down? Where do you stand on it? Oh yeah, 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 way up. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost uh, almost double. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. I got it just under fifty. So. Okay. Yeah, then you, then, then you got a, a good profit there. And, it, and I always warn people, just because of valuation ratios and the, the earnings are very expensive doesn't mean the stock won't, you know, keep climbing higher. But, you know, the risk gets higher and higher as the stock goes higher and higher. And, again, you got a nice profit. You, you'd hate to see it drop back down to, you know, 70 or 80, like, darn, I should 98. I'll wait for it to go back. Then it goes from 70 or 80, goes down to 60, 50. So, yeah, I, I recommend yeah. it. Sounds like a trade for you. Uh, go ahead and take your profits and, and uh, move on from there. All righty. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay, John, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, that does open on the phone line. Actually, all phone lines are open. 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. And actually, I see uh, waiting on line there is uh, Harrison Johnson, our CFP. Uh, he's going to talk about Medicare. Well, i got to ask him what this stands. I know it's income-related, monthly adjusted amount, but... Uh, Harrison, you there with us? No, Harrison's not with us. Okay, so he's going to come in a, in a little bit. It's a different caller. Oh, okay. All right, well, let's go out to Harrison in San Diego. That's never happened before. <laughs> Harrison, <laughs> you're on the Smart Best Show, Brent Chase. How can I help you? <laughs> my man, I appreciate you taking my call. Um, I was looking at uh, BBBY, Bed Bath & Beyond. Um, it looks like they have a relatively small float. Um, and it looks like that the short interest is pretty high. Over this past week, it went up about 30% on no news. Um, I was just wondering kind of what you think about the company and if they have a chance at a turnaround and if that's something that would be, look good over like the next, you know, maybe year or two as a long-term position. Okay. And, and Harrison, so you hold it now, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I bought in around about $4 and some change. Um, so I've had pretty good success with it. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to call in to get an opinion on it. Okay. Well, well let's take a look at uh, Bed Bath & Beyond. Their symbol is BBBY. And I know this company has struggled because of retail, competing on the online industry and so forth. They are in the specialty retail industry. Now, short percentage of float. Now, this is a strange number, 101.1%. I've never seen that before. That I know there's a lot of people that are shorting this stock. And if the stock goes up, they'll get the short squeeze. We'll have to buy more of it. But also, too, a lot of people are betting the stock goes down. So be aware, if you're wanting to go up, you are betting against a lot of people there. The institutional ownership mm -hmm. is 92.5. Uh, they have no earnings, so I see no P.E. ratio. Uh, I'm looking. They just reported, let's see, 531 is their last report date because I'm seeing no P.E. ratio. Uh, price of sales is 0.1 versus 0.9. That's, that's positive. But there's no book value. No cash flow for this company, and also to the uh, peg ratio, no peg ratio. Uh, they have no earnings over the past year. Uh, the sales are actually down 25% over the last year. Industry was up 60.1. So again, that shows uh, how the, much this company is struggling. They do not pay a dividend. I believe years ago they did. This was a strong retailer years ago. Uh, we do see on the mm -hmm. balance sheet a current ratio of 1 versus 2.1. Now, there's, there's no debt to equity because the company has no equity. So there's a lot of risk here that the company could file for bankruptcy at any point in time and kind of throw things out of whack for you. I, I see the current price is uh, $8.16. The high is $3.14. Uh, 
Uh, the low is $4.38. I think you said you paid around 4 for it. Is that correct? Right, yeah. Okay. Well, let's see what the analysts say about this company, see if they have uh, anything here to kind of share with us. And and, and I got to say, Harrison, that's not good news. Going out to February of 2024, they're expected to lose $3.42. That is based on the, the number of 18 analysts. That's a lot of analysts still follow this company. The low estimates to lose $7.99. One analyst says, well, they might make $0.68. Cents. Uh, that has gotten worse over time. 90 days ago, the loss was expected to be a loss of $0.66. Cents. They said now it's a loss of $3.42. So, Harrison, this is like a gambling chip here. I mean, you know, the stock could go higher. Things News can come out. The stock could go a little bit higher. Bad news come out. You could start hearing talks of bankruptcy. The stock would fall dramatically. So be very careful with this. I'm, I, I want to congratulate you on making money on it. But it's a very risky stock to be playing with because you can turn on the TV one day and look like, oh, bank, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond is going to file bankruptcy and it will stock fall dramatically on you. All righty? Right. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. Okay, Harrison, you have a great job or a great day. Bye. You too. Likewise. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. That's 833-288. 0973. And I do have the real Harrison Johnson online now. Okay. Uh, let's go to Harrison Johnson, our financial planner. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, Brent. I'm doing well. <laughs> well, good, good. I don't know if you heard the, the mix up there. We had a, a, this has never happened that I can remember. We had a caller call in, very nice gentleman there. His name was Harrison. And I just glanced over the screen. Oh, Harrison, he's calling about his, his segment here. And I had the wrong, the wrong Harrison. So, but I was. You know, there's not too many of us out there. So. Well, and that's the thing too, because you know, there's not many Harrisons out there. There's Harrison Ford, and there's you. Now, uh, now there's another yeah. Harrison out there. <laughs> but I, I was trying to explain before he came in. I could not know what it stands. I know what it stands for. You said Medicare, and it looks like Ermad. Is that the way you say it? Irma. Irma. Um. Yeah, Irma is how it's pronounced, but um, it's the income-related monthly adjustment amount, or Irma. So when you go on to Medicare, when you reach 65, you can go on to Medicare, and you have to start paying premiums for that. So right now, Part B premiums are about $170 a month. Regardless of the plan that you go, you can go Medigap or Advantage or whatever. Everyone pays this $170 a month. It comes directly out of your Social Security check, or you have to for it if you don't have social security but everyone pays this and then if you have prescription drug part d um, there's also premiums that you have to pay for that based on the plan and the and the drugs that you get so everyone has to do this but if you have a higher level of income you have to pay extra premiums so um, it's based on your agi adjusted gross income which includes things like Social Security, IRA distributions, rental income, capital gains, dividends, interests, pensions, annuities, all of these things are included in your AGI. And if your AGI gets too large, then that will cause you to pay extra premiums on your um, on your Medicare. So it's kind of like a tax. Um, <clears throat> the good thing is it only lasts for one year. So if you have one year that, of higher income, that can cause you to pay higher premiums. But then if your income goes down, um, then, it, then it goes back down. Right now, the first tier starts at um, $182,000. So if your AGI is above $182,000, um, if you and your spouse are both on Medicare, it's about an extra $2,000 per year. Um, and then the highest tier would cause you to pay about an extra $12,000 a year. So it can really get expensive depending on your AGI. So 
What I see is the things you have to watch out for is, um, again, capital gains can be included in that, which capital gains are variable depending on how your performance has been investing. So in some cases, you might have a really good year investing, but if you have too many capital gains, realize that can push you up into some of those higher tiers and then cause you to not only pay taxes on those capital gains, but also have to pay um, higher premiums for Medicare. The other thing that I see is um, required minimum distributions can also cause this to, to be a problem. So right now, when you turn 72, you have to start withdrawing from pre-tax uh, retirement accounts. And this is called an RMD, required minimum distribution. Every year you get older, you have to withdraw a little bit more of a percentage of that account. So if you have an account that's growing and you're withdrawing a larger percentage of it every single year, this RMD that you have to take gets larger and larger and larger exponentially. And so not only can that income push you up into a higher tax bracket, but it can also increase your AGI where you'll have to pay extra Medicare premiums. So this is where like Roth conversions for, um, could definitely come in. So I would say, you know, people who are in their 60s out there and have pre-tax accounts over about $800,000 or so, at that level, you know, you're going to get to the point when you get into your 70s and you have to start taking those RMDs, they're going to be substantial, especially if those accounts continue to grow. So before you get there, you have to look at not only your tax situation, but also these Medicare premiums and see if a conversion um, can make sense. Because in the long run, you know, it, it can really save you a lot of taxes if you know um, what that income is going to look like in the future. Uh, and, and Harrison, so, I mean, you, you want to try to keep your income down or be careful of this uh, situation. Uh, if it goes up to that, then we'll say in 2022 and your income drops in 2023, you don't have to pay. It doesn't go up and then stay there. It depends on the income for each year. Is that correct? Depends on the each year. So 2022, this tax year will determine your 2024 Medicare premium. So there's always a two-year lag. So if 2022 is a high tax year, yep, 24, you'll pay more premiums. But then in 2023, if your income goes down because there's no capital gains or whatever, then in 2025, your Medicare premiums would go down, go back down to the normal level. And I heard you mention about the uh, prescription drugs and so forth. I was disappointed. I read yesterday that uh, ARP, the American Association of Retired People, are actually endorsing the plan that uh, is coming out. I forget the name of it. They had so many different names now. Uh, oh, gosh, what was it? The Inflation... Um, the Inflation Protection Plan? Yeah, yeah, that, which is kind of a silly. But I guess there are there is something in that plan about reducing drug prices or trying to. So all of a sudden, ARP uh, you know, jumped on that and said, oh, we, we endorse this plan from Schumer. This is like, I, I was very disappointed that I wish these big organizations would just keep their mouth shut uh, and not do stuff like that because it, it it just is, I think businesses and associations should not be talking about stuff like that. They should just uh, do their job. So, but yeah, uh, yeah. that I, would I definitely agree. Yeah. yeah. So, but um, all right. Well, uh, that sounds great. Uh, more information for people to be looking at. And again, so important to have a strong financial planner that knows about this stuff because these are things that can come out of left field and hit you and then say, well, what happened? And you may not be able to avoid it but at least you can prepare for it. You can prepare for it. And that's, that's the thing. So a lot of times what you'll see is someone is in their 60s, and at that point their RMDs haven't started yet, so they're in a pretty low tax bracket, and it's almost a, a false sense of confidence. And then they get into their 70s, and it's like, well, by that time, you know, it's too late. You have to take it out. It's taxable. It can cause everything to go up, more taxes, more premiums and everything. And at that point, again, you can't go back and undo it. So it's something that you want to be aware of ahead of time so that you can – 
you know, plan for it and, uh, you know, reduce your taxes. Great. All right, Harrison, well, thank you very much. Uh, you have a great weekend, and we will see you uh, Monday morning. All right. Thanks, Brian. We'll see you Monday. All righty. Bye-bye. Again, that's uh, Harrison Johnson. He is our uh, financial planner. He's a CFP at uh, Wilsey Asset Management. If you'd like a free consultation with a true financial planner, who, again, is not going to try to sell you annuities or insurance or mutual funds, but really is a fee-based planner to really do a plan for you to help you reduce your taxes, to help you put together you know, a good estate plan, to help you with your current you know, cash flow goals and, and all these important things that you should be doing, uh, give us a call at the office, 858 858- Five four six four three zero six. Again, that's eight five eight five four six four three zero six. Listen to Harrison for the phone tree, and I forget what number he is. I think it's number four or five. Uh, or also to just go to the website, uh, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can send him an email right there uh, and uh, register for that free consultation with Harrison Johnson. Our financial planner at Wilson Asset Management, who again is unbiased because he is on a salary. He does not collect any commissions or fees or anything of that nature. He is on a salary. All righty, phone number's here, 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. Let's go to Marietta and speak with Michael. Michael, you're on the Smart Vegetable, Brent Chase. How can I help you? Yeah, I'd like to take a look at Danaher, DHR. Okay, and do you hold that or look and buy it? Yeah, I've held it for quite some time and had, you know, really, really, really good returns, but, you know, it took a big hit this year, and I just want to know where the value is now, now that it's corrected itself. Okay, all right, well, and uh, you said you're up on it, so that's a positive, so let's take a look at uh, Danaher, symbol is D-H-R. They're in the industry of diagnostics and research. Uh, nice float number here, only 0.7%, so nobody thinks the stock is going to fall. It is about 81% uh, owned by institutional. Uh, we do see a high P-E ratio of 34.1, but the industry is high at 37.1 as well. Price of sales is higher than the industry at 6.9 versus 4.7. Price to book value 4.7, about the same as the industry at 4.5. And then price of cash flow checks in at 25.6, versus 29.9. We'd have a good pay ratio here of 2.7 versus 6.4. Now, the earnings have climbed by 14.7%. That is better than the industry growth at 11.7. Sales did climb by 15.3. That's about half the industry sales growth of 32.5. The uh, analysts do see a five-year growth rate of 10.5 for Danaher. That is better than the industry at 9.5. Now, they do pay a small dividend. not sure why they waste of time doing this. Uh, the yield is 0.3%. Uh, they use about 10.7% of their earnings to pay that out. Uh, they could raise that dividend, make it a little more worthwhile than 0.3%, but currently that's what it is. They pay that dividend for about four years in a row. Looking at the uh, the balance sheet here, current ratio 1.8, that's very good, same as the industry. Debt to equity also looks good at 0.4 versus the industry at 9.4. So debt to equity in this industry is a very, very positive uh, uh, number to be looking at. Uh, We do see a net profit margin, 20.6 versus 14.1. That's a positive. Return equity, 13.3 versus 16.4. I like to see that a little bit higher, closer to the 15 range here. Uh, Looking at the stock price, we do see it closed on Friday at $290 per share. The uh, 52-week high is $333.96 with a low 233.71, so you're just about uh, in, the, in the middle there. 
Uh, let's take a look at the analysts here, see what we can find for the earnings going forward. Going out to December uh, 2023, we see the main of 18 analysts are looking for $10.75. Again, we use a multiple of 16.6. To do my head, I use about uh, 10, I, I use about 15. So that would be about, oh, a stock price around 160, 170. Uh, also a little, little bit expensive compared to where I would, would like it to, to be at because I said the stock was what, 290? So yeah, the stock's a little bit expensive. Uh, the stock, uh, the 18 analysts, uh, the range is pretty close. So $9.96, high of 11.20. And that estimate is down from uh, 90 days ago, $10.89 versus 10.75. Uh, so again, it's, it, it is overpriced at this level. Uh, Michael, I, I, when we have our companies hit that price, we do sell and get out. We know it's possible they could go higher, but the higher it goes, the more likely it could fall unless they come out with some phenomenal uh, news here. We, we just don't uh, play that game. We like to go with the 16.6 average and sell at that point in time. So recommend a sell here for you. All righty. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay, Michael. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833 833- Two eight eight zero nine seven three. I do want to mention one more time. Uh, next week, about the Main Street America People Choice uh, Charity Car Show. That's Saturday, August thirteenth, ten to three. I'll be going there right after the radio show here. It's at the Embarcadero Marina Park North. Uh, that's right near Seaport Village. Going to be a lot of different cars there. There's going to be exotics. There's going to be T-birds. There's going to be street rods, uh, and it does benefit the um, uh, San Diego. Center for the Blind. Uh, there's also going to be music there, huge raffle, photo booth, uh, also to a $1 donation. will be re- requested of all spectators coming on through, but uh, check it out next Saturday, August 13th, 10 to 3 at the Embarcadero. This is put on by the Corvette Owners Club of San Diego, uh, the oldest club uh, in the world, I believe. Started back in 1958. All right, uh, let's go out to, who is next? Oh, I think we'll go out to Kansas and uh, speak with Randy. Randy, you're on the Smart Vegetable, Brent Chase. How can I help you? Good morning, Brent. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. Just hot back here. I don't know what the weather's like out there, but uh, we've had a string of 100-degree days out here. So. Oh, it's hotter there. And you, do you have humidity there in Kansas? I think you do, don't you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that a lot makes, of humidity. Yeah. <laughs> that makes it worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, I, I wanted to see if you could take a look at Unum Group, the ticker symbols UNM. I, I own a little bit of it, not a whole lot. They reported earnings this week, and it was positive, and the stock jumped up a few percent. And uh, I was just thinking about maybe buying some more, or maybe I should take – I'm up on it. I was thinking maybe I should take some profits off and then maybe buy back some more. And I don't know. I'll get your take on it and see what you think. Okay. Let's see. Let's uh, Unum. Uh, the symbol is UNM. I see in the industry of life insurance. Uh, right. Not much on the short side, 2.4%, so that's uh, okay. Institutional ownership is uh, 89.3, uh, a nice P.E. ratio. Usually insurance companies have good good valuation ratios, but uh, they have 6.6 as a P.E. ratio. Industry is not material, so that is a big positive there. Price to sales, 0.6, same as the industry. Price to book value, 0.8 versus 4.3. So it tells me you're paying 80 cents on the dollar for the tangible assets of this company. That's a, that's a nice uh, nice thing to see there. Uh, price of cash flow, 4.3. That is above the industry at 2.7. And the peg ratio, very low, 0.5 versus 22.9. Now, I do see over the last year, earnings for Earnum are up 
58.9%. The industry was down 19.2, so that's a big positive. However, I don't know how they got those big earnings because their sales were down 10.3%, which was worse than the industry, which fell by 6.8%. So I would be a little bit worried here that they could have done some accounting or something. Why, why did those earnings go up 58% over one year when sales were down? That could be a one-time occurrence, could cause problems with the stock going forward over the next year. Now, I do see the analysts have a five-year earnings per share growth estimate of 13.7. That is better than the industry at 2.6. They do pay a dividend. Most insurance companies usually do. Uh, nice yield here, 3.7. They only use 22% of their earnings to pay that out, and they have paid that dividend for 10 plus consecutive years in a row, so that's a positive. It's a financial company, so the balance sheet is a little bit different. There's no current ratio. Debt to equity does look good, though, 0.4 versus 0.6. The net profit margin, 9.4 versus 7.8. And return on equity, 11.5, same as the industry. I would like to see that again a little bit higher, eh, around 15 or so. Now, the stock did close on Friday at $35.90. The high is 37.49, so pushing up against that high. The low is $22.25. Let's take a look to see what the analysts say about the earnings going forward, going out to December. 2003, the mean of 12 analysts are looking for earnings of $5.80. If I put a multiple around 15 on that, I'll get a stock price around, uh, what, 90 or so is, is what the stock price would be. Uh, we do see the range is pretty tight in those 12 analysts, $5.49, uh, 637 is a high. Uh, it is a nice increase, too, from December 2022 from uh, $5.16 to $5.80, uh, $5 and also the 580 is higher than what it was um, 90 days ago when it was 573. So, I mean, apparently you've got some growth here. I said the stock price is 3590. Uh, much, much higher valuations would are what we're using here than what the stock's trading at. So I think it's pretty safe. And I always think it's good to hold a good insurance company in your portfolio. You're not gonna get maybe big increases, but you generally don't get big decreases. Uh, I did talk about, I was a little bit worried about why their sales were down and earnings were up, so I would recommend, Randy, you look into that to, to make sure there's no problems there. Already? Okay, okay. Hey, just real quick question about it. So I'll look into that a little bit deeper. Since I already own some, I'm up about 40% on what I currently own, and since it's still well below the target sale price, would you recommend in that situation going ahead and maybe, it's in a tax-deferred account too, so I'm not worried about taxes. Um, would you recommend maybe taking some profits off of that and then maybe buying back in? Uh, well, that way I lock in the earnings that I've already got? Well, no, because what we do is we want to accumulate companies at good prices. And, and now you're trying to start to play the trading game. You could sell it with the hopes of buying back lower, and the stock goes from, what is it, what, 38? It goes up to 42, 43. Oh, I should have bought more. Uh, we don't play that game of trying to guess what the stock price is going to do. It, it's a good business. It's, it's you know valued well, gave you some things to kind of look at. Uh, don't try to get too fancy and try to guess what's going to happen. And again, it could fall, and you could be right, but there's no no reason for that, and you're just kind of then you, you've turned investing into gambling. Based on what I saw, look like a good company, do that research. I'd recommend if it, everything checks out to buy more of the company, uh, even at the current price, you've got a nice profit. You'll kind of bring down your average profit, but still it's a good company. I think you should maybe buy more of it. All righty. Okay. okay. Thanks a lot, Brent. Okay, Randy. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All, right. All right. Uh, let's head out to Florida and speak with Michael. Michael, you're on the Smart Investor, Brent Chase. How can I help you? 
Brent, how are you doing? Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Thank you. Yes. How are you doing? Okay, great. We're doing well. Uh, wanted you to look into SWKS, that's Skyworks Solutions. They are a semiconductor company. Um, on the face, I think they look undervalued, and I'm, I'm interested in them also because most of their production is uh, essentially in-house. They don't depend or rely on Taiwan for uh, for anything that, that I can see. So uh, why don't you dig in there and, and let me know what you feel. Yeah, that, that's a positive because, again, we know that, and I hope nothing comes of this, but I know there's some rumblings in Taiwan and so forth, and I do wonder what that would do with Taiwan Semiconductor, the chip market, but uh, I think we're on the right track Yeah, here. I don't think those words are, are priced in uh, at all. It no. Doesn't seem I, like, so. I, they don't seem like it, do they? Well, well let's take a look at uh, Skyworks Solutions, or symbol as SWKS. They're in the semiconductor industry. Not much float here at all, 2.2%, 76% owned by institutions. Uh, we got a pretty good start here. P.E. ratio 14.3 below the industry at 19.8, and that's what you want. Uh, price of sales, 3.5 versus 4.8. Price to book value, this is tangible book, va book value, 11.5 versus well over 100 for the industry. And then uh, price of cash will 11.7 versus 13.7. The peg ratio, very good as well, 0.9 versus 4.5. So the valuation ratios look very good. Now, I do see a little problem here. I see that earnings per share over the last year are down 2.9%. The industry is up 40%, but sales for uh, Skyworks actually declined by 10.9% better than the industry at 9.5. So the company could be building more factories, spending money on equipment or something. You do want to understand why did earnings go down when sales go up, just to make sure that's what they're doing, something positive. Now, I, I do say they pay a 2.2% dividend, only use 26% of their earnings to pay that out. Uh, they had that, that dividend for seven years in a row, so that's a big positive there. Uh, let's take a look at the balance sheet. Uh, current ratio, very good, four versus 3.1, almost too good, you might want to start asking, well, wait a minute, what are you guys doing with that cash? Is there something else you can do with it rather than sitting at, you know, uh, half percent, 1% return in the, the money markets there? Uh, debt to equity, very good as well, 0.5 versus 0.6. Net profit margin checks in at 26% versus 24.9. And return equity is 26.4, just under the industry at 26.6. Now, looking at the stock price, I see the price closed on Friday at $112.66. The high was $186.97. The low, $88.76. I don't know why year-to-date this company's down 26%, but that could be a great buying opportunity if all things check out. Let's take a quick look at the uh, analysts here before we got to uh, cut the show here. Uh, going out to uh, October 2023, they're looking for earnings of $11.87. Put a multiple of 16.6, and that'd give you about, uh, what, $180, $190 a share. Now, there are 26 analysts. Uh, the low is $9.25. The high is $13.10. That's kind of a larger range. I wish that was a little bit closer, but again, 26, a lot of analysts. And... Uh, there's a closing bell. So I like it. Uh, we'll go from there. Thanks for calling there, uh, Michael. Appreciate it. There is Frank Sinatra. Thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for information purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself, Brent Wilsey, or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858 
888-546-4306 or visit our website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com and for more daily educational information on investing tips go to our facebook page smart investing with brent and chase we'll see uh thanks for listening to the show have a great day we'll talk more next week right here on the smart investing show and may i say